0: Because if you can't look at something in a positive light and make the necessary changes to be successful and grow in that situation, it's going to be hard to be a leader.
1: Hi, I'm Nils Vigna, and you're listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast, a show dedicated to demystifying leadership development one conversation at a time. Each week, I sit down with leaders in the B2B space to discuss their journey and what they've learned along the way. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. And the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to B2BLeadersAcademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the B2B Leadership Podcast. My name is Neil Spinya, and today my guest is Meredith Nichols. Meredith, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure, Meredith. I'm looking forward to getting to talk with you about leadership. But first, would you share with me and the audience the role you're in today and what company you're working for?
0: Of course. So I am the director of human resources at Noland. We are based out of Roslyn, Virginia, and we are a data as a service company that provides data and analytics to the hospitality industry.
1: Ah, interesting. Okay, the hospitality industry. Now we're coming post-pandemic. Yes. Give me a brief sense of how big of an impact this had because I know there were some segments of hospitality that probably did well and some that were really hit hard. How did you and your customers fare over the last couple, year and a half?
0: Yeah, it's been a very tough 18 months, almost two years, I guess. I actually joined Noland about six months prior to the pandemic, really excited to get into a new industry. I came from government. And of course, as soon as the pandemic hit, it was truly within about 24 hours that we had to make really tough decisions. We did, unfortunately, have to furlough half of our company. And from there, we had to truly make decisions on how we were going to continue to keep our doors open to get to the other side of this pandemic. Our our clients were pulling out left and right simply due to the fact that they were told from upper management to cut costs wherever they could. And unfortunately, our product was one of those products that was cut. So it's been a challenging, challenging past two years.
1: (laughs) Okay. So now catch us up. Like after going through that and having to furlough half your company, I mean, that is a gut-wrenching decision for you and the leadership team. It must have been incredibly difficult. Customers having trouble. They were just trying to survive themselves. Where are you now? And what does the future look like just from a company perspective?
0: So we are actually on the other side. I hate to say that we're on the other side of COVID because, of course, this pandemic is still ongoing. But we are on the other side as a company. We have had to keep our heads above water for the first probably, I would say, 13 or 14 months was truly just how do we continue to keep things afloat? How do we continue to build relationships? How do we keep our relationships with clients that a majority of them had been furloughed as well, or even laid off. And what we're finding now is people aren't wanting to get back into the hospitality industry just due to their concern for the industry itself. But believe it or not, the hospitality industry is coming back. I know that I have a lot of friends that are like, there's no way it's going to come back. But it is. It's bounced back a lot faster than we thought it it would. And because of the data that we're providing for group meetings and marketplaces, it truly is a great way for the hospitality industry to utilize our platform to bring in group business to make up that lost revenue that they've lost over the past 18 months. And people are wanting to get out of their apartments. They're wanting to get out of their homes. Wanting to go to different events. So it's really exciting to see our company helping the hospitality industry out of this, but also seeing our company be able to grow again. We've hired about 22 people this year. So that's been challenging, of course, during this new world that we're living in. But it's also been really exciting to be able to bring people back on, be able to see the company grow and start looking for towards 2022, 2023. We're coming back. Hospitality industry is back and we are looking forward to continuing to get to the other side of this.
1: That is incredibly exciting. One, just hearing your perspective being so immersed in the industry and two, the fact that you actually are part of the reason why they're coming back as fast as they are, right? You're providing that insight, that data in order to fuel the growth and the comeback, so that's fantastic, you guys. I mean, well-deserved return after an incredibly hard thing, and you stuck through it, right? Company still there, still exists, still serving clients. No small feat to get to this point.
0: (laughs) Absolutely not. I always look at our, our colleagues and just say, you know, it's amazing that they stuck with us through this because they could have jumped ship a long time ago. But it's been so neat to see everybody so passionate about this industry. Also to see, you know, our leadership team come together to really rethink what our mission is going to be. How are we going to pivot our approach? How are we going to continue to build these relationships with clients that aren't in a, in a position to truly spend money or, or maybe they weren't in the position to. But now, now that we've continued to build those relationships to let them know that we're here, seeing them get to this other side has been really, really exciting and rewarding.
1: Yeah, I want to dig into lots on the leadership team and the culture within the company because to make it through that storm, It takes a lot, right? And that has a lot to do with leadership. It has a lot to do with culture. But we'll come back to that. (laughs) First, I want to go back in time and I want to ask you about how you got into your first leadership position and set the stage for us and tell us about what happened. Yeah. So
0: I actually went to college to be a broadcast journalist. I majored in broadcast journalism. I wanted to be the next Katie Couric. And at that time, it was really, truly what I thought my career path would be. I took a course in human resources my junior year of college and absolutely fell in love with it. And that's when I started to rethink what I was majoring in. At that point, it was a little bit too far into my major, so I did decide to minor in human resources. Right out of college, I was looking at both doing the broadcast journalism side or human resources and got approached by Target. Target, of course, having their corporate office in Minneapolis, but they do have headquarters all over the U.S. as well. So I was hired by their corporate office to come in and take on a leadership role as their front end team lead. Target has some of the most amazing training that you could ever provide a new higher especially when it comes to the management side and leadership they truly teach you when it comes to interviewing they teach you how to handle that they teach you how to deal with difficult situations and they spent about two months just doing training to make sure that we were set up for success. And I really appreciated that. For somebody fresh out of college, I think I was 22 years old coming in to run a Target store. You know, the managers would switch shifts. And so we would have one manager in quite often. And then sometimes we would overlap by a few hours, but often I was closing the store. I was making sure that our employees were setting the store up To be ready for the next morning when we opened the doors, I was making sure that the truck was getting unloaded correctly, making sure the money was put away. So it was an amazing experience. And that's truly where I started to become a leader. That was my first opportunity in a leadership role. And it was a different type of position than the ones that I've been in, of course, now and before. But really, it was a great opportunity to work with people and individuals that this was their everyday life coming into target and how do you get them to want to be there and that was my goal when I first started I remember my first weekend and I had about six people call out on shift and I was blown away how can how could that be what are we doing wrong you know what? What are we as managers, as the leaders doing wrong that these individuals don't want to come in to work their shift? And so that's when I really started to put on that leadership role cap of how can I make this enjoyable for them? How can I make them want to come in? How can I make them want to work with me? I was really passionate about making sure they saw me out on the floor, whether I was folding the jean wall or my goodness, the shoe wall during the summer, those flip-flops are not, that is not a fun place to be. But making sure you show these these employees that you're there, that you are advocating for them. Giving them a simple cupcake during team meetings. You know, it was little things, but it made a huge impact. And it was wonderful to start seeing people actually showing up to their shifts when I was working on the weekends and and see the small things I had done and see how they actually made an impact on these individuals.
1: All right. So you're just coming out of college and you just discovered the HR profession, right? It kind of shifted a little bit from the broadcast journalism side. And then begin to work with Target and you go through this incredible training program and then you just get handed the keys to run a store like this is the normal Target store we're talking about like 100,000 square feet like big giant retail full loading dock everything that level store we're talking about right absolutely
0: we were actually in the process of bringing in the grocery store into the into our store as well we were one of the first ones in North Carolina and it was it was daunting
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine I can imagine all right so In the beginning days, even though you had that incredible training from Target, this still must have been a little bit of nervousness settling in as you went into perhaps the first few shifts or maybe even the first few months. And I'm curious if you can tell us a little bit about how you navigated that situation, which was completely foreign to you aside from training and was just a whole entirely new world. How did you navigate that successfully and get to the point where you could start doing these little things that you were telling us about to build trust with the team members?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think at first I can't tell you that I had nights of sleep for the first few months just because of the fact that I knew if I made one small mistake, if I didn't set the alarm correctly, or the door happened to be unlocked, that would be it. And I didn't want that to happen. I remember waking up in the middle of the night, just being like, oh my gosh, did I lock the door? Did I set the alarm right? But truly what it was is, I knew that I could be successful in doing this if I could get my team to also support me and work with me. I knew that if I could get people that wanted to be at Target, that wanted to work with me as a leader and help me in this role, that I would be successful. There were people there that had been in the, you know, working the customer service desk for 15 years. They knew all the ins and outs. They knew how to make sure we were opening and closing the store correctly. And because they believed in me and I took the opportunity to really get to know them, I always knew I had their support and that was a really great feeling. But it was truly the fact that I also was taught from a very young age that you have to advocate for yourself. You have to not be afraid to ask questions if you don't know. You have to not be afraid to, even if you think it's something silly that you should know, there's never a silly question. There's never too many questions you can ask because at that point, it was my livelihood. It was my success and it was what was going to get me to the next step in my career.
1: So that advocating for yourself piece, can you share an example of how you did that in those early days? What was one way that you advocated for yourself in in that target environment?
0: There was quite a few times where we would have to go into the store if the alarm went off in the middle of the night. And when we were putting that fresh market in, it went off all the time. I happened to be the closest and... The first time I went in, I just did not feel comfortable being in a Target store by myself. I did not feel as though it was setting myself up for success. I did not feel like it was appropriate for anybody to do that. So I did go to the manager and ask them and told them that in the future, if the alarm is going off, two managers need to show up to the store to take care of the situation because it's not an appropriate thing for one person be putting themselves in harm's way. The reason the alarm is going off could be any reason. It could be somebody broke into the store. It could be, you know, you name it. We had a lot of crazy situations. I can't even begin to tell you all the stories I have from Target. But that was somewhere I advocated for myself. I also advocated for myself in making sure that I was given the opportunity for a promotion. I was brought in at the senior team lead level, and then they go to the next level. And I wanted to be in the next level when I was brought in. I did not have enough experience. And so they did tell me that they would give me the opportunity in six months to move to that position. My manager unfortunately left. And so I didn't have somebody to advocate for me anymore. And I went to the head of our store and I said, when I came on, this is what I wanted to do. This is what I was told would happen in six months. And I have shown you X, Y, and Z that I am capable and I am going to be able to take on that role because I'm already doing quite a lot of those tasks. And so I really would like to be given that opportunity to apply for those roles. And they were taken back. They were surprised that somebody would come and say, I've been here for four months and I'm 22 years old and I'm ready to go into that next role and you know, tell me what I need to do. But it was, it was really important for me that I was advocating for myself because without my boss being there I could have stayed
1: stagnant in that role for two or three years. That's a really great point point. and even if your boss was there I mean there's a chance that maybe for whatever reason you know maybe no ill will intended in any way they just didn't advocate for you and that's why I love what you said there that you have to advocate for yourself not just have other people advocate for you which is a component of it but you have to be the driver right you got to be in the seat. You have to. We'll get back to the interview in just a minute. This episode is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. The B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. Head on over to B2BLeadersAcademy.com to join and become the leader you've always wanted to be. Now let's get back to the interview. So fast forward from Target, how did you shift out of the, the retail and the B2C space and then get into the B2B world where HR and leadership became even more important in your career?
0: Yeah. So from Target, I actually went into a government contracting role. I decided that I was going to move back to the Washington, D.C. area and really needed to get my foot in the door. It was when the market had crashed. There were not a lot of opportunities so I knew that I had to do something to get myself in front, of, in front of a company just to get in there and interview. It's so easy for resumes to be overlooked, but really, I needed to get in there and sell myself. So I applied for a business manager role and went into this company called Orbis. They do government contracting for Intel, DoD, cybersecurity, and applied for this business manager role. When I applied, it wasn't what I wanted to do, but if it was going to get me to get my foot into human resources... I knew that I was going to be okay, So I did my interviews, got a call back two days later, and the CEO said, you will be so bored in the business management role after your position at Target. We would love to bring you on as our HR and for you to start our HR department for us. So we had 15 employees at that time when I started, and I was brought on to start their human resources department. I stayed with them. I built it from the ground up, and I stayed with them for eight years. I went through acquisitions, mergers, you name it. I was running two different human resources department at once. I then realized that I was ready to spread my wings and try something else. The government's wonderful, but there are also a lot of restrictions. And I do human resources because I'm passionate about people. I want to help people. I want them to be successful. And so that's when I started looking. And that's how I came to find Noland. I had a few opportunities that I was looking at, but I didn't have to leave. So I had the opportunity to be picky and I found Noland. And when I came into interview, it was, I think I had nine interviews back to back. It was exhausting, but the executive team here was not afraid to lay everything out on the table, whether it was good, bad, or ugly. They were not afraid to tell me what was going on, what they needed, what wasn't working previously, And then having that conversation with the CEO is what truly sold me. It was very clear that here at Noland, they were passionate about their employees. They wanted to see their employees succeed. And they needed somebody to come in and kind of help them with their culture, help them kind of continue to grow that the employee program for the company in order to continue to bring in that good talent. So that's that's how I got here. Initially, we were, you know, getting ready to hopefully potentially sell at some point and we were in a great spot as a company but i was really brought in to help build that company culture again because there had been quite a lot of bumpy spots in the past year that the company had faced and they hadn't had a human resources director here for six months so as you can imagine i came into a storm (laughs) but it was it was an exciting challenge for me you know When I was looking at opportunities, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go into a company that already had a human resources department, really the structure, everything built out. Or do I want to go into a company that has the bones and and kind of the idea, but I can actually grow their human resources department for them? And of course, I went the trickier out and I decided to take that opportunity to grow and build the HR role here at Noland.
1: That's an exciting transition. I mean, from Target to the government to Noland. and you know, from B to C to government, to B2B. I mean, you've hit all the major sectors and know how every single one of them works, especially from a people in HR perspective. That's awesome. It truly does teach you a lot. (laughs) Yeah, right. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about leadership and principles and things inside of Noland. And what are some of the characteristics that the leadership team embodies or that you look for in the individuals in Noland who are, you know, potentially in place for a promotion to a people leadership position or who maybe are in a people leadership position now and then have an opportunity to go to a more senior people leadership position. So let's just talk about, love to hear just core principles of leadership that are really important to you and to the leadership of the company.
0: Yeah, so core principles would be somebody that is, has courage, somebody that has passionate, somebody that's also confident and the ability to commit to something and have that ambition and drive. But also it's going to be somebody that is able to be adaptive. I think that is key as a leader. You have to be able to change with whatever might come in front of you. You have to be able to quickly switch tracks, but also somebody that's able to provide guidance. There's a lot of people that, Maybe they come into their role and they're, they're content in their role. They don't want to move into a leadership role. But the individuals that, that do and they come to you and they talk to you about kind of what do I need to do? And it's, it's being able to inspire, being able to provide your coworkers with that direction. You know, when you have a new hire come in, it would be wonderful if you could help them, me give them guidance on, you know, their new role, showing them the ropes here at Noland and how to be successful.
1: Good. All right. So courage, passionate, confident, adaptive, providing guidance, ability to inspire. Those are all fantastic. Let's drill in on the adaptive piece just a little bit. This is something that, you know, there's a lot of psychology that goes into this, as we saw evidenced in the pandemic. Right. There were some people who were completely capable and comfortable adapting to a new world. And there were others who face it was a little bit more challenging, right? Everything that they knew was turned upside down. And this is often the case in a leadership position. So for someone who's not like necessarily just born adaptive and just like, you know, roll goes with punches, doesn't care what the situation is, they can always adapt. For someone who's not in that kind of ideal state and position, what advice would you give to existing leaders or aspiring leaders who want to get to the next level for how to develop that skill of being adaptive so that you can adjust and change course depending on the situation?
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I always say most people do not like change. We as human beings don't like it. I will firsthand tell you that I used to absolutely despise change and it was something that I had to really work on and had to teach
1: myself that. Was that something from like your whole life, like growing up? Or was that something just in the professional world? Or where did that take shape?
0: Probably my my young days growing up, I would say probably until I went to college. I think that's when I really had to figure out how to adapt and how to be able to change with the times and change was with whatever was being thrown at me. And I think that it's also important to be able to understand what it is that's triggering you, that's making you get anxious or get stressed out and taking a step back and truly thinking about it. OK, why is this stressing me out? Why am I resisting this change so much and how can I actually take this change and grow from it? That last one is the biggest thing. How can you look at this change and take it and grow from this moving forward? Because if you can't look at something in a positive light and make the necessary changes to be successful and grow in that situation, it's going to be hard to be a leader because it truly every day, like you said, leaders are put in challenging situations. We are thrown so many different, whether problems or ideas, and how do we continue to keep the train rolling, but also have to sometimes get off the the track. And COVID, as you said, has been a prime example. I did not come to Nolan thinking that I would have to lay off half for a company. I did not... Within
1: the first few months of being there, right? Yeah, I mean,
0: I did not think that in my wildest dreams would I be creating a company policy for a national pandemic. And it's truly... I've had to continue to adapt and continue to go with the flow at this time. And it was hard at first. It was really hard at first during the pandemic because I think it wasn't just having to be adaptive. We were also all in a new situation. And it was it was a scary time for everyone. None of us knew what was going to happen. None of us knew what was happening. So for me, it was really taking a step back and realizing that there was there's things that are out of your control and sometimes you just have to continue to move forward in order to get to the other side of it and that's exactly what I did and that's that's how I got here i mean i wouldn't i truly wouldn't be here though as well without sometimes having uh, <laughs> Some colleagues talked to me, talk me off the ledge of, oh, my gosh, another change. You know, I've had enough of this pandemic. There couldn't be one more change. But, you know, you have to be willing to continue to to be adaptive. I think that's one thing we talked about this a little while ago was, you know, I'm really looking for an adaptive people to come into our company to as new hires to bring that to our company culture, because, The leadership team has been very adaptive. It's very, you know, it's something we've just had to continue to change throughout the pandemic to ensure that we were going to be able to keep our doors open and get to where we are now. But it definitely has been hard for our colleagues. And I understand that. But I think it's really, really important for us to bring that adaptive culture to Noland because as a smaller company, whether we're in a pandemic or not, there's changes that are gonna happen and you have to be prepared and you have to be willing to go on that journey with the company.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that element that you highlighted there, the how can I take this and grow? Whatever the change is, whatever the upside down turning thing happens, whether it's a pandemic, a deal gone south, a bad conversation with somebody, there is some element to take and grow. And it requires putting our ego on the side a little bit. It definitely right? does, <laughs> because it's not about you <laughs> most times. Most times, it's not about you. But I really love that sentiment of just—it's it, all about perspective, you know. And if you shift one question or if you shift one lens, you can see the exact same situation from a completely different perspective and one that's frankly empowering. That's a lot more fun. The one other point you mentioned there on the colleagues piece of having colleagues that you could confide in when things were a bit stressful, because this is something that comes up across the board. I'm a leadership coach. I face this with my clients all the time. Right. And they are in a position where oftentimes, sometimes it can feel like they don't have an outlet because your team can't be your outlet. Right. If you're in a leadership position, the team is not the place to confide in people. You need your own network. You need your own, whether it's external or somebody else at your peer level or above, who understands some of the situations that you're going through. And just curious for your thoughts on that in terms of how to find a peer group that is a safe place to air some of those things to allow you to express yourself, but not do it in a way that's going to have any, you know, potentially negative impact on the people that you lead. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's one of the most challenging things. I think I've said to quite a few of my friends and family, just I felt as though I had the weight of the world on my shoulders. I think human resources truly has not, and I'm not saying this for me, but I just mean in general, human resources at company have not gotten enough credit for what they've had to deal with this past year. And there was a time when I was not sure who to turn to because there was, we all had so much going on, but I am lucky enough to have great relationships with the rest of the executive team. And so I was able to kind of, you know, talk through Different situations with them or even just have a little bit of event. Having to lay off half of a company never gets easier. I remember somebody told me that when it gets easy, you need to get out of the human resources world because it just, it should never be easy. But I remember having to just call after some of those, those calls that I had. It was about 12 hours of back to back phone calls and just let my emotions out because it was such a difficult day. But also I truly believe in having mentors. I was lucky enough, I'm part of the SHRM group. So I went to their huge conference that was out in Chicago, I think it was two years ago, and was lucky enough to join the Young SHRM Professionals Network. And we did a dinner there. And I actually became great friends with three people in the HR community. And just having them, we're all in different companies, we're all in different areas of the US, but having them to be able to call and say, you know, oh my gosh, this is what's going on. And just being able to vent to kind of an outside source. It's, it's really, really key because we as, as leaders, I mean, we have so much on our shoulders and we have so much that goes on. And it's important that you're able to talk to people outside
1: about some of that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, love it. So I wanna ask you about advice that you would give your younger self. So rewind all the way back to graduating from college, getting into that first role at Target, here's the keys to the store kind of situation. And if you were gonna sit down and have a conversation with yourself, knowing everything that you know now, going back then, what advice would you share with your younger self?
0: I think it's important to always believe in yourself. It is really easy for somebody to tell you no, when you have worked so hard to, to get to where you are. I remember I had a professor tell me the week of graduation and broadcast journalism, that he didn't think I was going to succeed. And that was one of the hardest pieces of information I've ever heard. And it's just being told you're not good enough. And I remember sulking and being really down and taking it really personal. But at the end of the day, it's one person's opinion. All of us in leadership, all of us as human beings have been told no or have been told negative feedback or, or something along those lines. And again, it's, it's that piece of you can be sad, you can be upset for a day, give yourself two days. But after that, keep on going, because there's always going to be a place where you belong. If you're able to push yourself, if you're able to make the changes that are needed, I think feedback is so key to being successful, because whether it's positive or negative, nobody likes negative feedback. However, if you're able to take that feedback and make the necessary changes that you need to, to be successful, that is key. And I truly wish that I didn't let That one thing that a professor said to me, I dwelled on it for many, many years. It was tough.
1: So that's what I would say. I can imagine that's sage advice. It goes back to how can I take this and grow? And some of these things we have to learn the hard way, right? Take a few years. It's going to still impact you, least kind of psychological scar. Then the hard part is if we get into a situation where we feel like we're in that same place our brain doesn't know the difference. And all of a sudden, we're right back where we were first job out of college. And now you're questioning everything that you're doing, right? That's the potential impact of how big it is. And one of the reasons why this podcast exists is to share some of these incredible lessons like you just shared here to help other people who are going through and I guarantee hearing something similar, like you just don't have what it takes to make it in this role, this company, this position, this industry, whatever it is, But that is wonderful advice, right? Let yourself absorb it for give yourself a time frame, like cut it off after a day or two, despite it being difficult, it might trickle along. focus on what you can take away, what you can learn, your perfect embodiment of that sentiment. All right, Meredith. Well, it has been an absolute blast to spend some time with you today talking about leadership. Love your journey from the B2C world to the government world to the B2B world. All the cool things that you and the team at Noland are doing to help drive the industry that just was decimated in the last 18 months. And now you're helping to bring it back. So thank you so much for sharing your wonderful insights and advice. And I can't wait to see all the great things that you and the team are going to do.
0: Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on here today. It's been wonderful talking to you.
1: My pleasure. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd welcome you to subscribe and give the show a five-star review. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at B2BLeadershipPodcast.com. As always, I'm Nils Vinya, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Take care and have a great rest of your day. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. And the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be.